Welcome to Unworldly Everything. You have now opened the door to higher worlds and unanswered questions. On the show, we seek the fringes of our mental limits and deep dive into all things superhuman, supernatural, and paranormal. We are your hosts, psychic medium Bonnie McCliss and my psychic daughter, Julia Gerber. Join us as we move through a journey of awakening this strange, mystical, spiritual revolution. Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Rainer Rilke Hello and welcome to all of our listeners out there. Today we have a special bonus episode that will be a bit different than our normal content. We will be airing these bonus episodes periodically, so stay tuned and follow us on Instagram at unworldly underscore everything. This time on Unworldly Everything, we were invited to come and investigate a family home that had been victim to strange paranormal phenomena. They had reported hearing distant, disembodied screams, being pushed and touched, and even hearing running and footsteps and children giggling late at night. And we were all sitting around the table. We were just talking and all of a sudden we just heard like literally a scream. We were all sitting here and it catches your attention because you're like, hey, did you hear that? Hey, but we were all looking at each other going, did I hear that or not hear that? But we're all looking at each other going, okay, we all heard it. Right. And then we're like, okay, is somebody here? We were, nobody was here. I met this sweet family over a year ago as they were somewhat new to having a reading with a medium. I have since had several private readings with both parents and children, and it became increasingly clear that a very strong theme was beginning to emerge. Something was terribly wrong with their house. Each time I would meet with this family, there would be a new story about strange things happening in the house, like someone being pushed or hearing disincarnated screams. The worst part of this family's predicament, in their opinion, wasn't even the growing discomfort from constant paranormal activity, but more that they seemed to be constantly confronting illness and misfortune. A couple of months ago, it became clear to me that it was officially time to move forward on an investigation and clearing of the house. We set a date, and I prepared the family about how they needed to go about organizing and getting ready for the clearing. I also mentioned to them that it wasn't uncommon to have strange things in the form of ramped-up activity, odd feelings, or, in some cases, accidents leading up to an investigation date. If there was something in the house that didn't necessarily want to leave, it's been my experience that spirits can stir up a fuss before they're asked to move on. The best thing was to always remain calm and non-reactive as you can be. Just 24 hours before we were going to move forward with the investigation, two family members became very ill. We were going to have to delay the investigation. The family even joked around saying, you did warn us about little potential pushbacks. Almost a month later, we prepared for our investigation again. 
That morning, I texted with one of the family members as she related to me that she was having extreme back and neck issues, but did not want to reschedule again in fear that this was some sort of a pattern. This time, we will share the story of a family who has struggled with a serious haunting for several years in one of the suburbs deep in the heart of Spring Hill, Tennessee. Rivers and railroads in Tennessee were critical systems of transportation and trade during the Civil War. Both the Union and the Confederacy fought hard to control them, contributing to some of the biggest and bloodiest battles of the time. Much of Middle and East Tennessee were subject to intense warfare and constant Confederate guerrilla campaigns. Many casualties on both sides soaked the fields of Tennessee soil. Even civilians faced unparalleled hardships, losing their property, stability, and sometimes even their lives. Spring Hill, Tennessee in particular, is home to the Battle of Spring Hill, which took place on November 28th of 1864. It was part of the Franklin-Nashville campaign of the Civil War. The Confederate Army of Tennessee at the time was commanded by Lieutenant General John Bell Hood. They attacked the Union force under the command of General John Schofield. They retreated through Spring Hill. However, due to several discrepancies in command and some misinformation, John Bell and his unit were unable to inflict serious damage on the retreating force, and so they escaped mostly unscathed through the night. The next day, Hood chased after Schofield's army and attempted to attack them in their fort at the Battle of Franklin, and the Confederacy endured heavy casualties. In the Battle of Spring Hill alone, 850 soldiers fell on the battlefield and much of Spring Hill today was built on top of their unmarked graves, making the small Tennessean town a paranormal hotspot. And what's more interesting is the fact that the family home we're going to is a mere eight minutes away from the battleground of Spring Hill. Before I go into an investigation, I spend an hour or so in meditation, reading the house, trying to intuit the spirits and their stories, so I have a better idea what questions to present once I'm on location. What came to me almost instantly about this house was an image of a man holding a cross standing over a woman's body. The man was crying hysterically, almost as if he was plagued with guilt and remorse. A few other spirits popped up, but nothing that seemed as notable as this. The only other thing that stood out in my mind and in my meditation was this odd, constant, nagging thought that I needed to look up a Bible passage, specifically Peter 1.7. This piece of information will make much more sense later on in this episode. So we get to the house, and I meet the family for the first time, and I see this beautiful home in a pretty neighborhood, and we go inside, and they have a sweet dog, and the whole family is very welcoming. And you would never guess that anything was amiss, other than the two-man paranormal team that just walked through their door. So we just waltz in and start setting up our equipment. You may have seen paranormal equipment on some of the popular ghost shows, but let me take a moment to talk to you specifically about the equipment we chose to use on this investigation. 
My favorite tool to use when communicating with spirits is something called a Joe Box, or also known as a Spirit Box. The Joe Box is just a modified scanning AM-FM receiver. This radio sweeps the stations continuously, creating a sound of static and white noise. The spirits use this white noise to phonetically speak and answer the questions of the living. It has been my experience that the Joe Box is definitely the number one favorite piece of equipment and preferred by most earthbound spirits. During our investigation, you will hear the static of the Joe Box and voices of the spirits breaking through to give us information about themselves and the house. Other pieces of equipment in use are the K2 meters, motion lights, and temperature detectors. A K2 meter is a small device shaped like a television remote control with five tiny light bulbs affixed to the top of it. It can read the fluctuations of electromagnetic frequencies. You know a spirit is interacting with the K2 when the bulbs light up. The first two lights are green, the next is yellow, and the last bulbs on the K2 are red. The meter stays in the green when there is little to no spirit activity. But when it lights up to yellow, and especially when it goes to red, this indicates a strong spirit presence, and they are ready to get their messages across. Before we begin an investigation, we do something called an electrical sweep. This is where we walk through the whole house checking for hot spots, where the K2 would be reactive to places with electrical congestion, like near microwaves, cellular devices, computers, and ungrounded wall sockets. After we sit with the family for a bit and run them through the equipment, what it does, and give them a general plan of action for the evening, we decide that we would first sit down, set our intentions for the investigation, and introduce ourselves to the spirits of the home. I think it is just too easy to forget what it is we're doing when we set off to communicate with the dead. We struggle with knowing some type of proper etiquette. It helps to think about the fact that spirits are just people. Imagine how you would go about getting to know a stranger for the first time. You would introduce yourself and try to talk about the things that you may have in common based on the context clues. It is always a good idea to introduce yourself first to set up a relationship of trust and respect. Hey, I'm Alan. You guys are always welcome. Um, Please feel free to interact so we know you're here. Um, I'm the one you talk to at 2.30 in the morning. So just uh, feel free to chime in and talk. Um, so I have 19 years in the military. Um, we have a lot of military in our family. After we finish with the introductions, the investigation begins. And almost immediately, spirits scramble to connect and to have their chance for their voices and stories to be heard. If you think about spirits, they don't have feet. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, they don't have body parts. They're, they don't have hmm. hands to clink your coffee cups. So if you really put that into perspective, they're projecting these sounds because they want to be heard. They're not accidentally making coffee and then, you know, ruining your morning sleep. So right. um, they're projecting this for a reason. So, you know, what we deduce from that is that the people in this house really do want to talk to you. This was the first interesting realization during the investigation because we had been talking to the spirits for a while now. 
some coming through stronger than others, but these spirits weren't matching up to the looming negative energy that I had heard so much about. There has been some negative energy clearly coming through because I kept mentioning it and talking to you about it, but it was like, that one's not all the time. It's almost like when something gets aggravated or worked up and there are people, like I said to you, coming and going. Like, there are some that I feel like never stop. They're just, they want us to see them. And they want us to just see that they're here and then they move. But when my mom is here, and she's sick, there's like an energy that gets very low and, right. Right. and almost aggressive, but only really gets angry with me. We had yet to meet that lowest point of energy, however. So mom addresses this clear and present agitation that had existed in this household for so long. Okay, so we've got the K2 completely going off. So we just acknowledge that you're feeling very irritated or agitated or what this family walks into in the middle of the night is something that causes a lot of agitation. Is that right? Can you help us know if that's what you're experiencing? And then I swear I hear the word monster respond on the spirit box. Is it upsetting to know that you're not acknowledging me? Is that it? It is at this point now when I come back to that vision of the man crying upstairs, crumpled over a woman lying on the bed, a crucifix in hand. It's funny you say that because when I was tuning into your house, which I've been working on for the past 24 hours, which has provided a lot of interesting experiences, so can, I can only imagine what you guys uh, go through on a daily basis. And there was this older man who was very, very intensely present upstairs. And you have many spirits here, but this one really stood out to me as a, as a grandfather. He f seemed to be sequestered in a room or crying. He seemed to be praying to me because of his situation, like crying, like I'm trapped, I'm in a room, and I'm like, I wonder if they know that some grandparent is really present among the other spirits connected to the land. Since I had arrived at the house, I really wanted to connect with this spirit in particular. So I saw a man in the upstairs of this house crying, very upset. He said that he's afraid of the dark. I got chills at the back. Yeah. I want to talk to the man that I saw crying upstairs. There was a cross. A cross. You're trying very hard to communicate with a woman. You're very upset. You're crying. You're upstairs. You're afraid of the dark. I heard you tell me that. Can you help me understand why? And why are you trapped? Who are you trying to communicate with? So can you help us through our equipment? Use Focus on words. Help us understand. Why are you so upset? Why are you agitated? We want to help you. We want to understand. I hear you. You say you cannot be helped. That's not true. That's not true. You can be helped. If you listen very closely to this next bit, Mom asks the man why he's holding a cross. And you can hear very softly, the man sounds like he's crying as his voice comes through the spirit box, and he says, kill myself. Why are you holding a crucifix? Why are you holding a cross? And it just sends chills up your spine. I see. Are you religious? You're bad? What happened? 
You're not bad. I am. No, you're not. You're upset. You did something. Are you afraid you hurt someone? Did you hurt the woman? You want to, you want to apologize. You want to do right by God. Am I understanding? You can. You can. You can. It's getting very cold. Can you focus on our light boxes? Let us know you're here. You can use some of my energy. You're welcome. You can. It's not your fault. Now we come to realize this potential identity of this grieving spirit. My grandfather, my mom's dad, shot my grandmother. What? Yes. Shot him. That's why I shot was her. her. They were alcoholics. And um, he shot her and killed her. And mom had to go decide if they prosecuted my grandmother or not. Wow. I think that's what we're getting. I'm hearing a man say he cannot be do right by God because of what he did to the woman. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. We got it. Thank you. Thank you for helping us hear you. Is this your family? If there was ever time to talk? Yes. Is that why he's so agitated? Because of my mom? Yes. Yes. God. God loves everyone. There is no one who cannot make it back to this light. God loves everyone. There's good in you. Pain happens. Your family forgives you. You're not going to hell. Yes, you can. You know, but you can tell a really strong energy message. He's, he's really trying to communicate. I think this is a, I did not know this was a part of the story, so... Um. I didn't even know that he killed her. This spirit was really, I believe, the reason I was brought to this house in the first place. Sometimes through extreme guilt, a soul can stay in a state of shock, stuck in an endless loop of their own pain. If they can't believe that they are worthy of the light and a greater love, they can potentially stay in this painful pause for years and years to come. I believe every soul is offered an open door to the light. The hard part is getting a stuck spirit to see that the light is there for the taking, and ultimately their birthright no matter what they've done in life. How can we help you? What do you need us to do? How can we help you? I can't. After talking with that spirit, we all decide to take a break and refresh and split into smaller groups. Half of us stay downstairs, while the other half goes upstairs, where most of the activity had been initially reported in the home. I go upstairs accompanied by Krista, the daughter, and two of the sons, and we go straight to her room. Almost immediately after we set up, the spirit box is throwing out all sorts of words and saying Krista's name over and over. We have been getting a lot of activity in this room. Do you want to talk to us about why you picked this room in particular? Krista. Come on, so. Okay. 
Are you in pain? Watch. I heard here and present. So we started asking some questions to zero in on the spirits in this location. The ones downstairs were eager to interact with Alec and both of the parents, but upstairs they only wanted to talk to Krista. Can you give us a name or a couple of sounds to try to for us to guess your name? Whomever the spirit or spirits were, they were all very particularly active. Some almost playful and mischievous. The K2 meter spiked all the way to red over and over again, particularly after we had moved it to point directly at Krista. She'd also reported being touched and nudged several times, not only in her daily home life, but during the investigation as well. How old are you? Are you older? You look so much like you're Is there someone next to me? Is there someone next to Krista? Yeah. After a few moments of sitting there with her, eventually the noise died down, and the answers to the questions we tried to ask came less frequent, right before activity would spike up again. I'm hate, and I hate it here. Yeah. In this house? Are you upset? Property. Property. You're upset with the property that you're on. Are you stuck? Over and over again, this particular spirit would say, hate. I hate it here. This moment was specifically chilling, not because we felt like we were in any danger, but we couldn't help but wonder what about the property had made this soul so miserable. Grandma seemed to be the only one who hasn't complained much about any paranormal disturbance. However, she has sustained two falls this year alone and was currently spending some time in a rehabilitation center. I found it interesting that the entire family felt funky vibes when they would go into Grandma's room. So naturally, that's where we decided to go next, the only room in the house left unexplored. When we'd first gotten to the house earlier that night, I did an initial sweep of the house with the K2 meter, going room to room looking for any obvious paranormal hotspots. There were a few flickers on the meter, but nothing dramatic. I passed some of them off as picking up an electrical signal like a light switch or other unassuming devices, but when I went into the grandmother's room, I felt like I shouldn't be there. Not that I didn't have permission from the family, but that I was simply not welcome there. So we are in Grandma's room. Grandma's not here at this time, but we have reason to believe that a lot of this energy that happens in the house is connected to Grandma. Um, so we're in her room with her things and her history, her pictures of her family or loved ones. And so I want to try to communicate with the spirits in this room. I feel like this is one of the rooms you were really trying to bring my attention to. 
earlier this evening. So I just want to, I want to just open up and tell us, say that we're very grateful to be here and willing to hear us. The grandmother's room had an antique style four poster bed that took up most of the space and a wall covered by shelves and a dresser that were filled with picture frames and small objects and other mementos. To the left of the bed was an armchair, and on the right, a bedside table with a small ottoman on top of which sat a very old and well-worn Bible. After we turned off the lights and closed the door, we began the last part of the investigation and turned on the spirit box. At first, it was quiet, and the voices from the device were noticeably more mechanical and harsh, unlike anything we'd heard in the other rooms. There was no one spirit that came to the front to speak to us, but rather a garbled mass of individuals that seemed almost suppressed by something deeper and darker. I can definitely say that I was not expecting the events and energies that transpired in the grandmother's room that evening. I, too, began to feel a growing sensation of dread as I stood in the quiet, waiting for spirits to perk back up like they had done earlier in the evening. The first thing that began to tip me off that something was wrong was the rapidly dropping temperature in the room. It's cold right That's what she's saying. Yeah, it's really cold. As well as the strange ways my equipment was responding to these unseen energies, the equipment began to emit almost a louder sound of white noise than before, and also a series of strange mechanical sounds. I began to see contorted images in my mind's eye of animals with red glowing eyes. The pictures on the wall seemed to jut back and forth in some unnatural way that is difficult to explain. Do you have a basement? Mm-mm. Yeah. Attic. Okay. They're up there. They were telling me they were like in a crawl space or? Oh, there was a crawl space up there. Okay. How many are in the attic? Five, five, five. Good job. Good question. That's right. That's an electrical charge right there, so they're trying to, um, they're trying to talk. Who's in the attic? It's on the ground, either. Yeah. This is the, this is the, the, um, the lower energy. It's another ground. We could hear heavy objects scraping across the and the bed in the room kept creaking and moving without anyone touching it. I hear you. What are you trying to tell us? What are you? Who are you? Did you hear that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw it. They, everyone, every time I've been in here alone, I hear someone sit on this bed. Who's in the room with us? It's at this point that I start to feel my body moving. At first, it's just a sway from side to side. And then my whole body starts to sway in a circle, counterclockwise. It was particularly freaky because it was completely involuntary. I couldn't, despite whatever or however I tried, to stay still and stop the swaying. Wow, I'm being pushed. Yeah, you're being pushed Yeah, you have a female behind you right now. So you have an apparition actually standing behind you. It's moving me around. Yeah, I see her. So you can move if you're not. Yeah, I see her standing behind you. So you actually do it. It's too much of an action. Just move or break or go outside. Okay, so just
I say out loud that I'm being pushed, and Mom looks over at me and does a double take, telling me that there's a woman standing behind me, and that I should probably move. I stand there a little bit longer, almost too scared to move or go away, but after a moment of this ominous feeling, like I was seriously about to get hurt or incur bodily injury, I finally move off to the side closer to Mom. At one point, I saw a mangled, disturbed image of an older woman standing behind Julia, grinning at me, bearing a mouth full of rotten teeth. So is this the same energy, or is it a different one than we were talking to? It's a completely different one. This is something that's a little, probably probably the source of the screams. Um, Probably the other ones that we were talking to in the kitchen and upstairs, they were pretty Mm -hmm. benevolent. They were curious. A little bit more, just a little bit more agitated, this one. It doesn't have a, it has a collective aspect to it, not an individual one. Mom starts to ask it what it thinks about love and light and God. And this thing was getting angry when anything remotely positive or religious was mentioned. The K2 on the bookshelf where it was would spike to red. The bed kept creaking, and you could hear a series of screams and growls coming from the spirit box. Yeah, that's an electrical surge. What do you think about God, the light, the books, the pictures in this room? What do you think about the light in this room? The cross, the pictures, the love in this house? What do you think about the love? Those are screens. Yeah, there's your screens, so. Love in this house. There's faith. What do you think about that? The faith and the love in this house? Yeah, quiet. We asked it why it wanted to be here and what it could possibly want. Why do you want to be here? It's a little. Did it say old? Mm-hmm. Where are you from? Here. 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 Yeah. So this is one of those old, old... Yeah, that's what it's telling me. I've been here a long time. So it's connected to the land. After feeling the growing intent from this thing, this pure anger and hatred, I started to get angry too. I felt this fierce protectiveness for the family come over me, and it took some effort on my part to not start screaming back at this entity. I almost felt like I was being egged on, like it wanted me to say something, to do something. It was hard to keep your cool with all of that buildup of energy and emotion in the room. This is their house, right? This is not your house. Do you want something from this family? To be perfectly honest, though, despite the anger, I was scared out of my wits. (laughs) My legs were shaking with adrenaline and fear, and it was cold, and the whole thing was just terrifying. I've been on a couple of investigations with you before, Mom, but none of them were like this, and none of them were actually scary like this. However, the crescendo of this part of the investigation was when you started to read that Bible scripture at it. I had a feeling of protection fall over me, almost as if my guides began to step in or intervene. They began to flash the Bible verse in my head that I was told to bring with me earlier before I even arrived. 
These trials will show you your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Peter. seven. So that's what this family stands for. Faith, light, love. Only things of light can reside in this house and this room. You know that. You know this. You don't have permission. You don't have right. Only things of love and light must reside in this house. That moment was so incredibly intense. Before we ever even got to the house, I felt like Peter 1-7 was incredibly important somehow. What did you feel like when you were reading that scripture? I felt a little scared, honestly. It felt a little out of my wheelhouse. I'm not trying to be anything that I'm not. I'm not a priest, I'm not an exorcist, but I know when you encounter something like this, which I've done on rare occasions before, you have to stand firm in your truth. Um, You have to bring in your beliefs. And I do believe in Christ. I do believe in the love of God. And so I thought it also was pretty important that my guide shared this particular verse with me earlier in the day. So I guess I was just really standing in faith. hoping that what um, I was being prompted to do was the right thing for this family. I didn't want anybody to have any more consequences or pain. I mean, they've been through enough. That's why we call in the angels to stand at the four corners of this house at this time. We call in the angels to stand at the four corners of this house and this property at this time. And they will come and they will shine light and they will hold love as this family holds love and light over this property every single day. They will come. They are here. We know that. We believe in this. Our faith is strong. At the end, I asked everyone what they felt during all of that. Throughout the duration we were in the room, Julia and Krista mentioned about being touched or pushed and feeling a pressure or tightness around their neck. At the end, most of us unanimously felt shaken by this entire event. You guys did so good. Is there anything that you were feeling that you want to share? I still feel like something's like burning out. Heavy in here still. It's really yeah, I'm nauseous. My legs are shaking. Yeah. My legs are shaking. This house was so unassuming. A home in a neighborhood built on top of blooded land. Together, we identified some of the spirits and heard their stories and uncovered the veil of something dark and more sinister hiding underneath the surface. With every paranormal investigation, you leave the night behind you feeling changed somehow. You become part of someone else's intimate story and the lifetime of emotions that come with it. Both the living and the dead find a way into your heart and psyche in just a matter of a few hours. This experience in a Spring Hill home taught me that love really can win. A family banded together against the odds and willingly tried to shine a light on a painful past buried inside some of the darkest energy. 
If we accomplished anything with this investigation, it was, I believe, the courage to stand in our faith and truth and love no matter what tries to throw us overboard. There is always a way to find a light in the dark. And I was worried y'all be disappointed. We gotta get a job off. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Unworldly Everything.